0: As we get ready for the for the Hilltop uh, Pro-Am competition uh, presented by Syndicate, we talk to one of the skiers that, uh, that really set the pace in the latter part of the 90s, early part of the 2000s. We talk to Jill Knutson
1: next. The expressed views of the guests on this podcast are theirs alone and not necessarily endorsed by the host, TWBC, or any associated sponsor. Conversations that are robust yet balanced. On point and to the point you're listening to the talk of tournament water skiing this is the twbc podcast and now here's your host tony lightfoot
0: well, uh, greetings and salutations uh, to one and all. I am the aforementioned Tony Lightfoot, and this is the return of the TWbc podcast i know it 's been a while since I did one of these, uh, but uh, things have kind of got, kind of got a little headache after uh, uh, Caiaphas uh, didn 't do a podcast uh, there, nor did I do a podcast uh, for the uh, for some of the other events, uh, especially the nationals, because things just <coughs> got sideways and got a little bit busy but we slow things down. We take a calm approach into the hilltop uh, pro-am competition uh, presented by Syndicate. And one of my good friends from uh, from way way back in the day is Jill Knutson, and uh, we uh, we'll talk to her now. How are you doing there, Jill?
2: Oh, I'm great, Tony. It's just great to uh, to be here. We're super excited because the weather looks like it's going to be an actual. Warm weekend for the Pacific Northwest, where you never know. Near the end of August, it could easily be fifty and raining.
0: Yeah, and the, the weather could turn a little bit on a dime as well and go sideways in a hurry. But from but from my part, I've been here for the last last couple of occasions. It's been a it's it's been a bit nippy. Uh, I'd have to say. So this year, I came in with an extra supply of long pants, an extra <laughs> an extra hoodie or two, and yet we're going to have eighties and nineties. I mean, what's up with that?
2: <laughs> it's the Pacific Northwest. Tony. You just—it's—it's it's not predi- predictable, but um, we're just so excited that we're going to have uh, a good a good tournament. We got good weather, and uh, we're hoping uh, to see some of the best skiers. So the girls' competition is really um, there's going to be. We got Regina, we got Whitney, we got Jamie Bull. So it's going to be just the best skiers up here. Which yeah, We're so excited. We've always had great on the guys' side, great skiers on the guys' side, but for the women the past like seven years we haven't really gotten the pull so we're, I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I'm excited as well. I mean, having all the heavy hitters in both yeah. the women's and men's competition asem- assemble here in what can only be described as like heaven on earth. If you ever, if you ever aspire to be a slalomer and want to take it to the next level, this is the place to be, right?
2: It is the place to be. Yes, there is there is a couple of tournaments. There is a, a, tur- a man made waterski lake called Radar Lake that I would it just beats this out just a little bit but this is a gorgeous site and this is my hometown site so I get spoiled every day
0: and I mean, it's it's at that level. I mean, I mean, whenever you put that that much resource into how the grass grows, I mean, I True. mean, <laughs> I, I mean, most most tournaments you wouldn't even contemplate walking around in bare feet. I mean, you'd have to put some Crocs or some, or, or some flip flops on. But here, you're like floating on a cloud.
2: Yes, there's a lot of green, and Gordon puts a a lot of pride in his grass. And a couple weeks we had a real hot spell and, and boy, we had um, all the landscapers out here contemplating like how can we get this grass greener and we, it's not going to be brown when the hilltop program comes around. So there was, there was, a, there was a lot of, lot of tension, a lot of anxiety a couple weeks ago when we got this big heat spell <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, as as one as one would imagine. Okay, uh, turning attention away from the site, away from the tournament a little bit. Although we'll probably hit it a few more times before the end what about you jill uh i mean I, I i mean i always i one of one of the great thrills that i have coming into this event is meeting up with you again Aww. you know because i mean you were you were one of one of the, one of the dominating stars in the latter portion of the 90s going in, going into the 2000s and then and and then then you then you decided okay uh, i've done i've done a bit you know then and uh, and took a uh, took a hiatus but yes. uh, let let let's let's try and set the a little bit uh, i mean i mean what 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 were some of your major accomplishments within tournament water ski slalom uh, back in i would say let's start with the
2: 1990s oh in the 90s um, let's see here when i graduated from let's say i started my first pro tournament was at soda lake when i was 17 years old so i competed against camille duval dina mapple helena shainlander <laughs> when i was 17 years old wow. um jennifer lapointe or jennifer leachman excuse yes, me back in the back in, the, <laughs> back back in, the in day. those days. gotta say the right names here <laughs> yes and um they were just my mentors so that was that was early like uh 89 um when i skied against those guys and terrified to ski against those guys on the dock um, and then I went to college, and I tried to get a few pro tournaments under my belt when I was in college. And then once I'm uh, 94, I came and got to be a part of the Budweiser water ski tour. Mm-hmm. And then that was that was just such a neat experience in qualifying for the finals my first year on the Budweiser water ski tour. Mm. So it was... Uh, yeah, so I got to just, there's a lot of history, because when I started and and uh, how I've been able to practice, I, my parents moved from Colorado, they moved to um, a lake called Chuliotta Lake, and Wade Cox happened to live on that lake, and Jerry Craig Yeah, McCrayed I skied on lake a
0: couple of times.
2: Yep, yep. Horseshoe Lake. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so I got to ski with Wade Cox, and then um, and I also uh, went over to Carl Roberge. Chris Parrish was right in the area. Ronnie Barton was right in all the area. In area. Uh, well, all in the Oviedo area. all in the Oviedo area. Yes, so it was it was a great place to just um, once I graduated from college, I got to come there and just take off. We got dogs.
0: Yes, indeed, a, li- yes. a little, little bit of animal action back there in yes. the background, but we'll we'll continue on none, nonetheless. You know, because there were certainly plenty of distractions going on back in those days. You see what I did there? Yeah, you know. So, so I mean, so I mean, uh, I mean, you skied in college, I mean, you were skiing on the pro tour and that kind of stuff. What was it like to handle all 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 of all of the things that got, that that went went on around? You know, because I mean, you had. I mean to be successful on the pro tour you had to have a certain focus and a certain ability to isolate yourself away from all of the noise all of the distraction that that went on with pro tour skiing at that time
2: yeah there it was it's funny because there is um it's just a it's a mental game water skiing is a lot of mental and especially at like the budweiser water ski tour you have the music blaring and you have people on the shorelines that are partying and and um, enjoying watching you skiing and you have the distraction of other skiers and you have the worries that maybe some of your competitors might want to step on your fin. And, you know, you, d- <laughs> you just never know what could happen. There's, there is something about water skiing and every site is different. Uh, you have different boats. You have Um, different boat brands you have different sites you have different water you have different temperature there's so many um, variables in water skiing and I ended up uh, getting my um, master's degree I felt like I was not so ill-equipped so I ended up getting my master's degree after I graduated from college with the exercise science degree I got my master's in sports psychology what was that college again (laughs) I went to Western Washington. Western Washington,
0: all the way. And then I got
2: my. I went to Eastern Washington for my master's degree. And while I was on the pro tour, this is where a lot of my competitors thought I was trying to get in. Was I was handing out the. I was trying to get my dissertation and in in sports psychology with water skiing. And so I was trying Mm. to prove a theory that um, all of us water skiers were. It was just a theory that the slalom skiers were, the trick skiers were definitely type A. The slalom skiers were a lot of type A, type B, and then the jumpers were really laid back. And so I was just trying to figure out their sport psychology going into each of their sports. But a lot of um, what I found out was a lot of things that I, a lot of verbiage that I did anyways just through the experience of, trying to be a better water skier. And basically, you have to tune out everything when you get on the water. Um, You have to just kind of clear your mind, flush your thoughts when you're going around the turn island and just focus on what you're good at, what you're working on at that particular moment and be in the present when you're water skiing. So all of the noise that you hear on the sidelines, it just dissipates and you hear none of it. I've never heard any music no matter how loud it's blaring when i'm on the water
0: okay did you use headphones or anything like that or listen listen to a little little bit oh, of what like was going pre, on in 90
2: yeah pre uh yes music did help um but ultimately it's just in in the end if you if you use that i felt like it could be a crutch a little bit and it, then if i use that all the time to get focused then what if i lost it or you know, didn't bring it one day, then well, I would be out. What
0: if those AA batteries fell? <laughs> <Right>? on you? Right,
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. So then ultimately, it was just me just tuning out the noise and focusing on on what I'm supposed to accomplish and what my goals are when I go out there. So that was my ultimate how I got to.
0: Now, a lot of people have when, whenever they're skiing in pro events and what have you, tend to focus upon upon high target goals. You know, whether it's going down thirty nine and a half off of 35 or thirty five, or well, not so much thirty five because that's supposed to be an automatic yes. for the for the girls these days. <laughs> yes. but, but I mean, in you know, like getting through thirty nine and a half off essentially is the thing is the thing that everyone aims aims to do. But back in those days in the tour. Uh, there were some there were some horrible ski sites weren't oh, there I mean I mean, I mean let, let's put aside Orlando tour stop I mean because typically that that's the one that gets everyone going you know it's a t- typically the 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 top event there's not too many rollers, you know. Whether whether it be Lake Ivanhoe or whether it be Lake Eola, maybe maybe not so much Lake Kiola. But it was in
2: Pensacola. Do you remember that one? Uh, there was one like on the yeah, ocean. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah so you got I mean, like salt water, and then you have the like surf, and it was awful.
0: And then then there were river courses like <laughs> oh, in <river> Chattanooga. <laughs> that kind of stuff. I <laughs> yes. mean, I mean, where just running your first pass, you felt like a world champion. <laughs>
2: yes, yes, you did. <laughs> Throw the big fist in. <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> I just made it. <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. No, and and in the beginning when when I started in the pro tour, it was like the Budweiser Waterski Tour. That was at like festivals and so it was at big events and they were just trying to pull it was like at a lake that people could gather. And so we were just trying to get the, the main thing, it felt like from the sponsors part of you point of view was that they wanted as many people as possible to watch the event because we didn't have any online technology there wasn't anything online No
0: social media no No, no youtube no no, nothing
2: no nothing yes so it was just trying to gather trying to get as many people to be fans of the sport as possible back then so yes there were some hideous sites
0: what was the most hideous in your opinion
2: oh my gosh uh russia that was that was that was hard China yes uh I went to Ireland in a skillin there was a tournament yeah, I, there in, in yeah, a skilling
0: in a skillin, yeah as part of the uh, the oh. world cup part of in part September
2: mid-September Ireland. if you didn't
0: bring a heater top with you
2: there are people luck. in dry suits <laughs>
0: that were in dry
2: suits at that time <laughs> we're I think, I,
0: yeah I think I did yeah <laughs> I remember that one
2: <laughs> yes um yeah, but no, it was just big sites, and any time, like I said, there was one. Um, there was a San Diego uh, one that was again on the on in the ocean, you know, in the bay. But the oh man, it was just something about saltwater that was so difficult to figure out, and you didn't get a practice ride; you just had to show up and just compete.
0: Yeah, just pull out, and hopefully you yeah. didn't you didn't have a, have, a, have too much speed going into your gates, yes. <laughs> and if you did. Good luck.
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the good news is that uh, you you didn't know where the judges were when you, when you were out there, so you could kind of you know like maybe you might have missed that gate or you, you just no one knew if you really made the gates or not when you're out there on the on the bay in, in uh, <laughs> San Diego or Pensacola.
0: <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> And I mean, in a lot of those instances, I mean, the sites were, were were pretty awful. But but I mean, it it drew it drew some it fa- drew, fa- fairly yeah. good fairly good crowds in those events because yes. I mean, they were they were tied into already existing events. Now, fast forward to today, exactly. you know, do you think a lot of do you think the sport has lost a little bit uh, from from the demanded nature of of events needing to have great conditions and great scores to be classified as successful?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, Um, transitioning, going through all the we're like going back through decades here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Of, um, I think it's just so much fun to see it online and to see um, the amazing athletes and and the just being able to have the camera in the boat and because you never before you would never get to watch these amazing skiers from the boat unless you went to Florida and happened to just you know feel like you won a lottery ticket and get to ride in the boat when
0: sometimes you're kind of taking life into your own hands because i mean when when Carl Rogers like loads up the line or when 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 Wade loads up the line and they decide oh, oh my rope's going to malfunction or i'm going to pop the handle <clears throat>
2: Yes, for sure, for sure. You don't want to be in that boat when that happens, but uh, but yeah, no. I think it's really neat right now, and I think it's great to just see, um, just the just we're, we're we're at the extreme stage where we're pushing the line of how short can the rope get, and how we can still make it around those buoys, and is it physically and and um, the fit actually the math part of it, you know, can we actually do it and can we develop these skis to be able to do it and the technology, the boats, it's it's definitely it's definitely extreme. I mean when I started <laughs> when I would age, age myself there was a throttle. My husband had to learn how to hand drive And we had a stopwatch, and that's that's how I started in the sport. And And, some guy
0: leaning over the boat.
2: boat. (laughs) Yes. So, anyways, it's it's interesting for me to see um, these where when I started and what you know it took to for my husband to be able to make those times and in in the guidelines that are provided with a throttle and uh, no GPS and. And no technology. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's been interesting to to go through this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, technology has had a profound impact upon the sport. I mean, so far as uh, skis, so far as boats, ruddles and what have you, you know, but all of that would count would pale into insignificance compared to how physically the ski how, how physically truly fit that the the skiers have to be in order to take on these passes and expect to run it right
2: right no it is y- you don't see many overweight skiers in this sport no it is physically demanding and i think that's why when i took a little bit of a hiatus it was like okay now what am i going to do for exercise well i'm going to go for a run or i'm going to lift weights and i'm like this just isn't nearly as fun as water skiing and if i can just go out there and water ski that's that's my workout that's it's not a real good cardio but it's definitely a a good workout on the body and an overall workout and yeah these guys are incredibly fit um
0: so when you entered your hiatus, which was uh, just eight, give eight years, uh, eight, eight years ago. Yeah. So oh, you,
2: sorry, I uh, let's see here. No, it was about. Uh, I've been coming to this tournament probably about five years. So mm-hmm. five years ago, yeah. But I took an eight-year hiatus prior to prior to
0: that. So like thirteen years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My math isn't too strong, but yeah. then I can at least add. But anyway. Uh, so you took that hiatus, and you went pretty much open water skiing at that point. You know, j- just for fitness, uh, yeah. having having successfully uh, taught your husband how to manage the throttle exactly. and all of that stuff. Exactly. I bet he. Fe- I-, I bet he felt the pressure coming off his shoulders because now he, now he wasn't so worried about keeping it, keeping it <laughs> s- keeping it situated in the course, or he has to do. Yep, she's left. She's right. She's yes. left. She's right. Do this about twenty more times. Pull out. Yep, give her a breast.
2: Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. I think um, I think what happened was my hiatus um, came down to you're you're in the pro tournament. Um, <laughs> okay, I have a story for you. I was um, going up to Abbotsford. I and Whitney McClintock. Um, was uh, staying at my house, and, and I told her I would give her give her a place to stay, and then we used my car, and we headed up to Canada, and, and she gave, her, gave me her ID across when we got into Canada. Oh, wow. And I looked at her ID, and I said, you were born the same year I graduated from high school, and I just... <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I'm competing against someone that's 18 years younger than me. And I, I adore Whitney, and we've we've had a great time. But there was just something in my head was like, I'm competing this this I'm competing against someone like I can't. This be is it. what this it's come love, down to. This is what it's come down to. <laughs> and so there was that instance where in my mind I was like what am I doing this for? And do I really love it? And that's what it came down to for me. It was like, I, it became a job. Um, It became your kids, my kids, I have three kids. So I had three kids while I was a professional skier for 22 years. And, and um, you get to this place where you just feel like you're, you're doing this for selfish reasons and I and, and my kids started to need me and they're getting into their own sports and my daughter was a really good little soccer player and so you just get to this place where you're like my husband needs me he's a coach he can't get the kids to practice I'm relying on other people I need to be a part of my family and so there was just that hiatus and I got to this point where I'm, I'm like I feel selfish I'm not loving it it's the right time to, to so you, stop.
0: So you morphed into the soccer mom.
2: I did morph into the soccer <laughs> mom for sure, Tony. <laughs> and I wanted to give my daughter my. My parents gave me this sport, so they seriously moved from um, Colorado. And they moved to a lake on uh, Chuliota Lake uh, or Horseshoe Lake in Chuliotta, uh for me when I was 16 years old. So I felt like I needed to give back to my kids because my parents did the same thing for me. So it was that it was that respect as well. And I wanted my daughter to pursue her sport in in soccer as as far as she wanted to go because my parents did the same thing for me with water skiing. So
0: okay, so now. Now that now that the kids have have pretty much done done with their uh, their their sports, you know, soccer or yep. whatever sports were they involved in the 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 other two. I mean, you mentioned yeah. your daughter. My what?
2: daughter was uh, soccer and basketball, and she did pole vault. Um, but soccer was her main sport. She was trying to get um, a college uh, a scholarship for that. Um, my oldest son was soccer, and then I have a younger son that's both soccer and he's a wrestler. Uh, but then once my daughter didn't get that scholarship into college due to COVID because she graduated twenty twenty one. Ooh, it was a bad year. Um, but once she released that, then she became a water skier. So she's been skiing since she's been four. But all of a sudden, she's like, "Oh, I like your sport, Bob. I want to yeah, do this." There you yeah. go.
0: That's, uh, so that's the... it's, <laughs> been,
2: it's been really fun summer since uh, since COVID. Yeah. Okay.
0: So how so? How's she doing now? Yeah, uh, she's
2: she's getting she's running thirty four fifteen off and just enjoying it and. I'd bring Jamie Bull in the boat to have her coach, and she's like, "Mom, this is just for fun. I don't need to coach." No, honey, it, you, it's yeah, it's she, fun yeah. when you have someone help you and get better.
0: Exactly, you know, because I mean, the worst thing that can happen, even in soccer or track or what have you, the worst thing that can happen is to have your parents coach, you right? Know, you know, because yes. you you need you need that standoffishness. You need to have someone, someone else's eyes taking a look at them, you know, to. You know, you know, to have a little bit of objectivity.
2: Yes, which I want to talk to you about this.
0: Me? Yes. Oh, oh so here we go.
2: This new, this new field right now are all our pro skiers that have coached their kids. So we got Neely Ross. Mm-hmm. We got um, uh, Russell Gay, Anna Gay. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? We have uh, Ronda Huso's kid, uh, 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 Erica. Erica. Yeah, she's still. And, you know, you just have... You have all these... All these... All these... second second generation pros. But when I was in the pros, Andy Mapple's kids didn't ski. No. You know, um, Wade Cox, his kids didn't ski. No. Um, You know... Trying to go through all these old skiers that you know, Christy's kids didn't ski, Helena's kids didn't ski, you know, all these pro skiers, their kids didn't ski back in the day. So it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting concept.
0: It's worthy of a dissertation, I believe. It is, (laughs) if you you ever went back into college
2: and parents coaching their kids and their kids like flourishing. I'm amazed by that too. Like Neely and, and oh, Dorian, like Dorian. Dorian Llewellyn, yes, yeah, Dorian Llewellyn, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so many of them now. I mean, you you definitely touch upon a uh, an interesting subject to discuss. Yep. Now, let's get back to a little bit of what you were doing. I mean, you're out with open water skiing. So, when did the epiphany strike you? Like saying, "Okay, I'm not done with slalom. I'm I want to I, I want to get off this." big old lake i mean hubby you've done well you you've helped, helped me stay fit you kept the kept the throttle moving in the right direction but i do want to darn well get back out to the slalom course and see if i see if i can't leverage my ability and whatever's <laughs> left of my fitness into the pro ranks
2: i got invited <laughs> out by a friend of mine that okay he was i did a clinic he i was he, I coached him, and he happened to buy this water ski lake out in eastern Washington in Othello, and he called me up out of the blue, and he's like, Jill, I bought this water ski lake. I want you to come just enjoy it. I don't know what I'm doing with this water ski lake. I just really liked you, and I liked your coaching. I'd love you to just come out and just bring your family and enjoy it. So I brought my family, and I skied the course, and we got to like just enjoy the heck out of just having a nice boat, having a course, having the lake all to ourselves. I wasn't, didn't, it wasn't work anymore. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can actually enjoy this sport again. And it doesn't have to feel like work anymore. And I'm not making money from it. And so it was that release of like, I. Love this. I love this sport. I love this activity. I love the people. I miss my people. And then when I started coming back and going to this pro am, it was like I got to, you know, Chris Parrish is still here. Will Asher is still skiing. So there was some old, there were my young and up and coming skiers that um, you know i was probably on the way out when they were up and coming but it just was fun to just be in touch with them and i miss them so much so yes
0: how long did it take for you to get back into uh in, in into a kind of performance range that was close to what you were doing before you took the hiatus
2: it, it was nothing at all it really it just came back <laughs> I my husband still is like, how did you do that? I I don't know. I just, I think a lot of it Tony has to do with I I attribute it to, um, the technology. Um, When I came back, I also got a new ski um, from Radar, and I immediately ran So what were you riding
0: on before, before you took the hiatus? Because Radar hasn't been in the sport that long. Uh, I mean, it was... I mean, Radar came about in... Right at the end. uh, Right at the end. Yes. So there... It would have been like 2013
2: or 12 or right around there, 2010.
0: So so you left the sport originally in 1999, around about the time that you skied the Worlds in Ricciato, and you probably got a story about that as, as, as well. Yes. But... It At was roughly t-
2: around, like, 2013 is when I left. So I competed up to mm-hmm. about that. So and then radar started. I had a radar ski. And then I got, when I came back, then they were like, hey, try this new newer one. Okay. Yes. And then it was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the sun came out. It was, I could run 35 really easy. And, and it just wasn't a big deal anymore. And I'm like, how can I still run this? when I'm this much older and I'm really not in that much shape, so... Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with the technology.
0: Yes, and I mean technology has come along in leaps and bounds, even in yeah. recent times. You know, like zero off, and now we've got the boat path management system. You know, all that, all that good, good stuff. Uh, one thing I didn't ask you about is 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 what do you do for work these days? I mean, I mean, you graduated college, you became a professional water skier, and but you still still had to uh, shop for groceries and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, and they don't come cheap today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so so what do you do work-wise?
2: Uh, for me, I just, uh, I have uh, tried to just be a, still, my husband would definitely say, you're still a pro skier. You just think everything comes so easy to you. Um, but, no, I have enjoyed being um, a substitute. Um, so I've been a substitute in our school district. My husband p- is a teacher. What's
0: your favorite subject? Uh, PE. P- oh, yes. there you go.
2: Yes. It's, it's, it's an organized chaos. Uh, yeah, social studies, yeah. <laughs> You're, you're you're more heady than I am. Yes.
0: Oh, I don't know about all of that. I do not n- know about all of that. You you, f- you flatter me.
2: Uh, so I've been a substitute for the past ten years, and then uh, when COVID hit, there wasn't any sub jobs open. So then I became, I went back and and reverted back to um, being a high school kid, and and was a Starbucks barista, and then after that, then I got. I <laughs>
0: Hang on a second. Hold, hold on a second. Just, just for a couple oh, for of notes. Overqualified
2: Starbucks barista.
0: I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, trying to picture myself walking into a Starbucks and order, or, ordering. What, what, what was the, what Was the most convoluted <laughs> drink order that you've ever, that you ever took?
2: <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Oh yeah. There's lots of them. There's lots of them. Yes, they specified all the, all the syrups and, and all the half calves and. And the long shots and what have you. So, yeah, no, there's lots of them. But it was, it just was, what it was is I missed people, Tony. I'm a a people person, and so I needed to see people. And COVID kind of hit, and I just needed to see people. So... That was part of it, and now I am working for Alaska Airlines, and I'm a I'm a passenger service agent. So now I get to have unlimited standby flights, and I get to fly wherever I want to. And I work for. So this.
0: you're in the call center at the airport.
2: Yes, I work at the airport. We have a little bougie airport here in Everett, and it's only got three gates, and it's a uh. privately owned um, mm-hmm. airport with a leather Italian furniture and a nice lounge that gives you you know real plates and real food on the if you go to the lounge and order food so it's just been it's been a really fun so i've i've started that up and it's been about seven months so it's just oh. been really fun to have that um. job so it's my little side job and it gives my husband and i the ability to go and fly and i and see my friends like i want to go see chris rossi i want to see nick parsons i want to you know go see people that yeah. i that and still keep in touch so that's my that's my goal since i've and it's then when work they less.
0: <laughs> and then when they all come here at Hilltop, I mean yes. that 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 must that must be like divinity, it right? Is. There it is,
2: it is. Yes, I get I get everyone come here, so that's why that's why I just enjoy this, and I enjoy seeing you, and just I enjoy seeing my people. So yes
0: no worries no worries at all i i'd I'd certainly appreciate you with this uh being a part of this uh, podcast and it was great to talk great to talk to you i mean i mean you've probably got so many stories but the one story that that uh that we that we talked about briefly when i was coaching you from the boat was about the whole deal with with kilometers and miles an hour you know because they were wanting (laughs) that they're wanting to pull you into the course at like what what you discovered to be 36 miles an hour right during oh, yes. the practice uh, yes. for the world
2: yes so one of my dear dear friends was uh, sarah green at the time and and we were i was my first international tournament and it was it the worlds so i was in milan italy and and we come there the us kind of comes there as a group and you have these certain times that you practice and so i was practicing but sarah was there trying to get in with our practice session, and and I didn't. It was all kilometers, and the ropes were all meters, and and they asked me what my speed was, and I'm like, I think it's 55. So then, of course, I asked my friend Sarah, who I thought I could trust, um, but you know, she just loves to joke around, and she's like, No, Jill, it's it's 58 kilometers that you need to go, <laughs> and which meant 36 <laughs> miles an hour. And I at least had the sense of like to question her, and was like, No. No, fifty-five is thirty-four, so I ended up uh, going at the right uh, speed. But then I, I made sure that I asked someone else about the line length so that I'd get the meters right. But yeah, I was just a stupid American coming into an international tournament not knowing meters and kilometers, and yes, and just and just the I mean just the sheer joy when I've done head-to-head competitions like true head-to-head. We would spray each other. I mean, there would be some trash talking. Oh,
0: those were the days.
2: uh, Oh, so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And it was always fun when you had like those head to head tournaments where that was the best times where you had the head to heads with someone like Sarah, that was your like dear friend that you could trash talk. And, and try to get into each other's heads. And then there was the the head to heads where you had someone super serious that wouldn't say a word, that wouldn't look at you, that wouldn't talk. And you're like, oh man, they're really serious about this sport. Yeah. <laughs> that was something I think for the most part for the decades that I was able to be in. And I think I, my husband was always keep your sense of humor, love what you do. And when the love isn't there anymore, it's time to get out. And if you, if you don't love what you do and you don't enjoy it anymore, then that's the time to get out. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, and I mean, a lot of, a lot of what you say, it's, uh, a lot of what you said there kind of translates a little bit into your aims and ambitions whenever you come to a tournament like here for for Hilltop, where I mean, there, I mean, there's Jamie Ball, there's Whitney McLean, Tokrini, there's uh, Regina Jakes, Regina Jaquis and all of those who have high expectations to take the win or at least a podium. Yes. But your but your aim in in this competition is
2: just to. Be around the people that I love and just enjoy the sport. I'm not. I'm not trying to win anything. And for me, I just want to do my best. So that's why I enjoy having people come in the boat and still coach. And I still want to get better, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I still want to run a 38 in competition, which I haven't done since I've been a pro. So that's still my goal. Is I still want to get there and I still want to be in shape and 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 uh, impress these young ones that are still coming up and. You know, in- indeed, indeed, yeah, be a role model.
0: All right, then. So uh, we'll round off uh, the podcast around about here. We thank you very, very much of for course. being a, po- uh, a, a participant in it. But is there anything you'd like to say in closing? You know, uh, thanks all that to hubby and all that kind of stuff. You know, before we uh, b- before we close this out.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, first of all, i just like to, yes, my husband has been a, a huge supporter of me. What's his name, by the way? Andy Knudsen.
0: Andy Knudsen.
2: Yep, Andy Knudsen. He has been just, a, like, from the get-go, I he supported me to be able to make this move um, back to at, when I graduated from college at Western Washington. He supported me to be a pro skier. Um, and go to Florida and be a pro skier. So right from the get-go, when we were just friends in college, he supported me to, to be a pro skier. And then he became a great boat driver with just the throttle. He supported me, drove me. He uh, sent me to all these tournaments. He was the main. Uh, we did not, never, ever did we ever uh, live off of my salary being a pro skier. I always was in the red or broke even throughout all of my tournaments. And, um But uh, And then I'd like to thank uh, uh, Gordon Skoog for um, supporting me as well and for building this uh, gorgeous lake, Hilltop Lake, and uh, for just being a great driver and for uh, supporting me as well. Um, Yeah, my three kids, Carson, Kelly, and Cohen. And that's that's about it, my in-laws.
0: Indeed, indeed. I, I mean, it takes a village, doesn't it?
2: Yes, it does take a village, yeah. And all the, all the boat drivers and all the coaches that I've had. So it's, yeah, those are the people that I have built. The reason why I have this longevity is those coaches that I've been picky about my coaches. And I would, I would advise all people when they come up through the sport, be picky about who coaches you and who you trust to coach you. So
0: excellent stuff all right then that was jill knutson and this was the latest edition of the twbc podcast and so until next time it is ciao for now
1: thank you for listening to the twbc podcast be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC Podcast.